Welcome to the Startup of the Year podcast, where each episode we showcase exciting new companies from around the world. This podcast is produced by Established, creators of the Startup of the Year program. Established is focused on helping organizations with their innovation, startup, and communication strategies. Thank you to our podcast sponsor, Silicon Valley Bank. Hello, everybody. It's Frank Gruber with the Startup of the Year podcast. Welcome back. We've got a special guest today, all the way out in San Francisco, California. She's the managing director of Clio Capital, Sarah Kuntz. She's been part of our program before, and uh, as part of a you know judging, and, and even I think at a startup back in the day. So, welcome, Sarah. Thank you. How are you? Doing well. Doing well. Thanks for joining us. Really appreciate it. I know you're busy. Thanks for having me. Yeah, so let's catch up real quick on what you've been up to since we last connected. Uh, right out of college, I, I worked uh, at a variety of startups, and then uh, probably five years in, one of the startups was running out of money, and I talked to an investor, and she said, you know, your startup's definitely going to fail. Like, that's too bad, but it's fine. Um, but you seem smart. Do you want to be an investor? And I said, okay. Um, and so I ended up at More David Al Ventures, which is a big uh, Silicon Valley venture fund um, that is not really around anymore, um, but at the time had $1.7 billion under management. Um, wow. was there and then ended up uh, went there, learned a lot uh, as an analyst, and then went uh, into starting my own company, Pro Day, um, which was in the sports media space, did that for about three years, learned a lot. And then, you know, ultimately it failed. And as it was shutting down, I was doing angel investing or scout investing for Sequoia. And I was, you know, starting to get involved with people like you and, and mentoring and, um, at funds like Techstars and Boost VC. And so it just made sense to me to start my own fund. You had a announcement out there. You raised $3.5 for Clio Capital. Congratulations. And that is your first kind of official fund. And it's got a kind of an interesting twist it's because of what you mentioned earlier, Scout Fund, and it's really trying to get more women uh, represented in by other VCs. Is that right? Yeah, um, sort of. So, so what my fund does is we're early stage, so generally pre-seed, um, opportunistic. But one of the kind of differences um, is that I have scouts, and and my scouts all happen to be women um, who are amazing founders who've raised between five and fifty million for their own startups. Um, so they, they, they know what they're doing. They're ready to angel invest. They just don't have, you know, enough personal liquidity to do it. Oh, that's great. It's a very unique, um, model. And I, I love the kind of scout kind of analogy. I think of baseball scouts and, um, we do some scouting as well. So I love when that analogy gets applied to startup land. So that's really cool. Well, let's talk about a, a little bit of a stat now. Now you, that was the second largest fund closed by a black, uh, female venture capitalist in the, in America. Mm-hmm. At 3.5 million. Yeah. That is amazing. Congratulations. But that is also super pathetic. What is wrong with America? Well, how much time do we have? Uh, <laughs> all starts with genocide and, and slavery, yeah. and it gets yeah. you know, slightly better from there. But, but uh, you know, I think that, that right, like people are, are, have been super supportive and congratulative, which is lovely. But also to your point, you know, that's insane. Like the, to, to be the largest first time fund for, you know, a, a white woman, it would be a billion dollars, which was Mary Meeker's uh, you know, debut fund with Bond. Um, and for for white men, it's probably even higher. And even you know, for black men, I think the high water mark is still north of a hundred million, right? So so when you see 
that there are these massive, massive disparities in, in, you know, who gets how much funding, uh, it's really frustrating. And I think that all we can do is, is acknowledge it and, you know, keep doing what we do anyway, but then also think about whenever we have the opportunity to help somebody else, you know, raise a fund or whatever it is, make sure that, that you do it. Right. Well, congratulations and thank you for being a, a trailblazer. And hopefully others that are listening will hear this and it'll give them, you know, some some ideas and inspiration and, and hopefully hope to be able to go out there and do it themselves too. So appreciate that. And on that note, let's take a pause and hear from our partner, Silicon Valley Bank. You know, the, the team at Established, we've been building startup communities for 13 years. And Silicon Valley Bank consistently shows up, adds value, supports startups, and supports their clients. They're more than just bankers. You know, they're mentors, they're advisors, they're super connectors. And we love having the SVB team at our events because they bring a depth of knowledge about startup markets that just doesn't exist from most service providers. And they always treat their founders with respect. And so if you're not banking with Silicon Valley, if you're using, say, a a traditional retail bank like the one on the corner, there's nothing wrong with those banks. But if you're using that, a traditional retail bank, and you plan to raise venture capital, you need to bank with SVB. Your retail banker might not even know what the heck venture capital is, but SVB team does this day in and day out. This is their specialty. They've worked, they've been through the fundraising process with thousands of startups, and they have additional resources to see you through the process and help you succeed. We love SVB, and we're grateful that they're that they're supporting the uh, the Startup of the Year podcast. And so, visit svb.com/next to learn more. That's svb.com slash next. So Silicon Valley Bank, Ideas Bank here. Thanks so much, Rich. And thank you, Silicon Valley Bank. Now let's get back to the interview with Sarah Kunst from Clio Capital. We're going to dive right back in. Let's talk about what Clio Capital is doing and, and how it differs from maybe a classic venture capitalist you know, venture capital firm, mm-hmm. um, especially as it pertains to scouts, you, t- you touched on it, but can you share a little bit more about what you're, how you're looking at um, investing and what you're, how are you leveraging scouts? Yeah. So, so what's, I'll talk about scouts just sort of broadly, right? Because I only have sure. a handful of scouts. I'm not, you right. know, seeking new ones, whatever, but there are a lot of different scout programs, especially in Silicon Valley. Um, and it's something that a lot of times I've found that women, even highly qualified women are, weren't aware of, right? So, Generally speaking, you know, Sequoia invented, Sequoia, the big venture capital firm, invented scout investing um, about uh, 12 years ago, 10 years ago. And it was basically, hey, you have all these people, you know, when when the Facebooks of the world started, um, VCs realized that people didn't have to come pitch them before they could have scale in their company because it's been, it's become so, so, so much cheaper to get started, right? Building a company is still hard, but it used to be that, you know, you had to like buy, build your own servers because there was no Amazon web server or build your own email because there was no Gmail. And so as all that stuff has shifted, people can start companies early, which means that it's harder for investors to spot them. And so what scouting does, it's basically identical to angel investing, right? So people like Jason Calacanis, whom a lot of the listeners might be familiar with, he invested in Uber's first round, and that was with with scout money, right? So he was a scout with Sequoia, um, and he's publicly disclosed that. So I'm not, you know, telling any of his business, but so so that money and 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 it really, you know, built him as an investor and built Launch, which was you know is his company around the space and the conferences and all of that. It really came from you know somebody else giving him money that that he you know maybe didn't have access to out of his own bank account, and so. 
uh, scout investing is basically identical to angel investing with the difference being um, somebody else funds it. And then if you, as a scout, make money on the investment, you, you end up splitting, you know, those, those press, the proceeds and the majority are going to go, uh, back to the fund since they gave you money in the first place. Um, but the, the great thing is it's an awesome way if you're an, you know, a founder or an experienced operator and you're well connected, um, but you're not super liquid, it can be a great way to get, uh, that experience in, right? The scouts aren't people who just sort of woke up one day and said, oh, I don't know anybody in tech, but I want to invest. They're people who are already in the ecosystem and this just gives them uh, a different way to get involved. Right. Totally. And that's a great, a great way to, to put it. And thank you for sharing that. Um, I think, uh, did AngelList have something similar to recently? I want to say that they had, they're putting something out there. Um, why am I blanking on his name? AngelList and uh, uh OATV both have kind of other similar things. A lot of big venture funds have scout programs. I mean, honestly, if you just, you know, if your uncle's a super rich real estate guy, but doesn't understand anything about tech and you're vetting the deals for him, and then he's giving you, you know, a a sort of a split when you make money, you're a scout, right? So, so it can be as informal as that. And it can be as formal as, you know, a program like Minor Sequoia's where, you know, there are contracts, there's only a handful of people involved, all of that. That's great. So you have have a handful of uh, scouts, and I think you're, you said you're kind of at maxed out right now. Mm-hmm. Um, what? Uh, so you're looking for you're not looking for scouts, but you're looking for startups. What are those startups looking for? Yeah, I mean, sorry. What are those scouts so, looking so, for? So, in startups. So with the scouts, the scouts invest in whatever they want to invest in. Um, I think that the worst thing you can do is uh, sort of micromanage, right? Because the biggest new companies tend to come into a category that either doesn't exist, right? Like an Uber or or Airbnb, or that feels like it's already done, right? So when Facebook started, everybody was like, no, there's MySpace. Why would you ever need another social network? Um, And so, you know, when you, when you, it'd be impossible, right? The day before the iPhone came out, which was only 12 years ago, it would have been impossible to say, oh, you know, you should invest in iPhone, you know, apps because there was no app ecosystem. And so, I don't limit what the scouts invest in. I tell them, you know, as long as it's investable, you can invest. And so that means it has to be a C-corp. It can't be cannabis because that's still illegal nationally. Um, and, and you know, that's about it. So some of them are doing crazy deep tech. We have everybody from a literal, you know, rocket scientist who used to work at NASA and who now has a, a startup who's a scout to, you know, Molly Chen, one of the co-founders of Birchbox, um, is a scout. And so there's a huge range in what they invest in. That's great. And to touch on real quickly, you mentioned, you know, obviously not doing cannabis. Are you, you also mentioned being a C-Corp. For those that are, are listening that are set up as LLCs and other forms, can you quickly give a reason of why it has to be a C-Corp? God, convert, 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 convert. Okay. So it's a disaster. The, the real reason, the actual reason is flow through tax implications, which yes, is hopefully the most boring thing I'll say this entire podcast. <laughs> Um, but basically, um, when investors, when, when limited partners who are the people who invest into venture funds, because venture funds also have to go raise money, um, they don't want to be taxed. So when you're an LLC, the taxes flow through and that they flow all the way through. So it means, you know, some billionaire or some, you know, multi-billion dollar sovereign wealth fund doesn't want to get a $5 tax bill because your startup made $10 that year, right? So the only way uh, to, and it'd be super complicated accounting to figure it out even. And so instead, um, that flow through tax doesn't happen with C corporations, with corporations. 
Um, and, and so if you're a corporation instead of really any other structure, then it's just easier and, and it's better and, and it's really impossible to scale. You know, there, there are very few, uh, I don't think there are any billion dollar startups that are LLCs, right? So it's very difficult to scale, but then the problem is if you, it, it's rel- it's a little bit more expensive, um, to incorporate as a C corp, but not by much if you're using like kind of startup friendly tools. Um, but to reincorporate and to switch later is just a massive pain. It takes forever. You have to change, you know, your business name on everything from your bank account to your, uh, to your legal documents. And it's just the biggest, biggest, biggest headache. Um, and so, and it also like, I think makes it a lot harder to raise money because you can do side letters, which is an agreement. If you do a convertible note or a form of debt, that's not, or a form of, a form of equity, uh, that's deferred equity, like a safer convertible note, you can do a side letter that says, Hey, we promised to convert before, you know, we promised to change to a C corp before the note converts to equity, but then you're just kind of moving the problem down the road. Um, so literally if you have any money at all in your company's bank account today, like put that towards converting to a C corp today. Cause it's there. I see so many deals that people end up not investing in as an angel because it's not a C corp. And so then you're out, you know, a hundred thousand dollar angel check, uh, to fund your company for six months because you made a decision to save you a hundred dollars, you know, when you first yeah, it just I mean it's way easier to do it at the beginning <laughs> than way later. So as my mother loves to say, do things right the first time. Right. No, thank you for that. I appreciate it because we we definitely have come across that question before and I appreciate you answering it. So all right, let's move move forward here. So let's talk about um some of the companies. It is I mean, you started the, the fund in, in August. Mm-hmm. Are there any companies in the portfolio yet? Or yep. where um, are we at? we're in about 35 companies right now, I think. And so that's a combination of the scouts investments. And then I've done a few as well. Um, although when I'm raising money and when investors are raising money, you know, unless they're a really big firm and have somebody to do their fundraising, they're probably not very actively investing because they have to go out and drop everything and fundraise so that then they have more money to do more investing. No, that makes a lot of sense. And that's a lot. So congrats. That's a lot of, of investing very quickly. Uh, it's only five months uh, or so. So can you share a little bit more about what types of deals those are or is that uh yeah, as far so as like what, check Cap. size what kind of companies oh yeah so so we do have our portfolio list on creocap.com um and and it really depends right so what you see there is the entire portfolio so i personally don't really do direct to consumer investing i don't do like apparel and beauty at all but if you go on the website you be like but you did this deal or this deal and and i didn't do it right my scouts who i trust a lot did it because they see different things than i do and they see you know both in terms of of subjectively inside of companies and just different companies so um the short answer is we invest in everything a couple examples of deals we've done you know a deal that i did actually came to me from from you guys um i was a judge last year at south by southwest at the startup of the year competition um, and it was a very long day and I was very tired, but, you know, was, was going through all of the pitches, um, and easy expunctions really stood out to me. So I had you guys connect me with the founder after, and then, uh, ended up investing. Right. That was great. Yeah. So I appreciate that. And they were, they're a really cool company. Do you want to give the quick five, you know, yeah, five second pitch? Yeah. Um, so, so easy expunctions is a company that uh, basically about 40% of all Americans will be arrested at some point in their life. Some people are arrested, you know, with a smoking gun in their hands um, as they just murdered somebody or robbed a bank or whatever. And they're going to, you know, that, that doesn't come off your record. But um, if you were, you know, 
drunk and disorderly on your 21st birthday in, you know, whatever, Panama City, Florida, and you were handcuffed for a half hour and then nothing happened, um, you kind of think, okay, nothing happened, right? I paid a little ticket or a fine or whatever. Um, but then you'll be applying to school or, you know, a job or anything where you need a background check and, and it'll come back and they'll say, no, you've been arrested. Um, and so what for, for people, for, for people, Frank, like you and I, it doesn't really matter because like if, if an investor saw that they would ask me about it and I would say, I don't know, it was Panama and like, whatever, you know, 2000, it was crazy. Yeah, it was a while ago. Uh, yeah. yeah. So they'll probably have a good story about it too. But right. if you're, you know, if you work at a McDonald's or if you're, you know, even actually Uber and Lyft have pushed back against background checks for their drivers for a variety of reasons. But one of them is that they would end up disqualifying a lot of people, particularly in America, disproportionately um, diverse populations because they've been arrested before, right? And being arrested doesn't mean you've necessarily done anything wrong. It just means a police officer wanted to detain you to figure out if you might have done something wrong. And so, so what Easy Expunctions does, very long story short, is you go on the website and you look through it and you say, okay, great. Um, which of these, uh, you know, you, you put your name in whatever your information and it pulls back and it says, Hey, you, you haven't been arrested. Great. Or you have been arrested. Here's where, and it might be, you know, something that you were then convicted for and you can't get it erased, or it might be something that charges were dismissed, but that record's still there and it gets pulled into all the search engines and everything else. And so then you can, you can pay them and they'll actually go, um, help you legally clear the arrest, expunge your record. And then the other piece of it is um, they also, you know, work to to get that research result um, off of like people finder style websites. And so it kind of works in two different ways. Um, and if you're somebody who's, you know, an hourly wage worker, um, in general, people end up making, you know, I think, I think it, the stat is like a third more money within six months after they get their record expunged because they all of a sudden have freedom to switch jobs or, you know, push for a raise in a much better way. Yeah, that's really great. I mean, I mean, and I appreciate you sharing that the long story of it, because I think a lot of people don't realize that that's an issue as well. So, and there's sites out there that are promoting these, these that your records out there and that you can go get, you know, you have an arrest record and things like that. So, all right. So that's, that's a great story and a great example of a company in your portfolio. And you obviously have a bunch of them. So yeah, check out Clio Capital's website. If you want to see some, some more of those, let's go a little bit more into um, geography. Speaking of geography, let's hear from our partner, American Airlines. With American Airlines, you can give your company's travel budget a lift. American Airlines Business Extra is a rewards program for companies that can help get the most out of your travel budget. It's free to join with no minimum flight or spend commitments. The more you fly with American Airlines and their partners, the more Business Extra points you earn. Points can be redeemed for round-trip flights, cabin upgrades, Advantage Gold status, Admiral Club memberships or passes, and your employees can continue to earn Advantage miles and your company earns business extra points at the same time. It's a win-win. Doesn't your business deserve something extra? It sure does. And now let's get back to our interview with Sarah Kunst from Clio Capital. Talking about geography. Do you have a specific geography focus or anything like that when you're looking at this? I know you have other scouts as well. I don't. Um, so I have scouts, you know, Silicon Valley has uh, a lot of great companies. And so I certainly invest a lot you know, in, in Silicon Valley, um, are, we have come, I've also invested in other places. Easy expunctions is in San Antonio, right. Which is not really, it's actually not a place I've even ever been. Um, so, so, you know, there's a range, um, 
I have to wire money to U.S. bank accounts. And so I have a company in Canada, but um, they have a U.S. entity, a U.S. C-Corp, a Delaware C-Corp. And so that's what I wire money to. So, you know, that, but I don't care that they're in Canada. I literally wouldn't care if they were an actual Timbuktu, right? For me, it's just I need to be able to wire money to a U.S. bank account. Um, I travel all over. I'm going in two weeks to the United Arab Emirates, Bahrain, and South Africa. So, you know, I, I'm, I know in like a 10 day trip, it'll be wild, but, um, you know, it, it, I look all over for companies and I'm willing to find companies anywhere. That's great. Um, and then also do you lead rounds with this or, you know, so, you know, with, with a small fund, you can't really lead in a meaningful way, but that being said, there's two kinds of leads, right? There are the kinds of leads who come in and put a big check in. And often those, those leads come in as the last investor, but they're the ones who are, you know, taking the board seat or whatever, because they're putting in a million dollars of a $1.25 million round. But the, the other kind of lead or the way that I choose to, you know, be able to lead is to, um, I put checks in early, right? So I, as soon as I decide I want to invest, I'll invest. And, um, in very special cases, it might be something where, you know, I have to wait until they get more money because some companies are just not going to be able to, to execute if they don't have like hardware companies, right? You can't really start a hardware company on $25,000, but that being said, I don't really do those kinds of companies. Um, so for me, for the most part, if I like you and I'm ready to invest, I invest. And, um, if I am, if, if I'm the first person to put a check in great. And, and a lot of times I'll be the first check in or, you know, with my entrepreneur in residence at my fund, Julia Collins, um, from planet forward, I knew she'd left zoom. I knew she wanted to do something new. And I literally just started telling her every time I saw her, I was stalking her. And I was like, I need to be the first phone call. I need to be the first check in. And she's like, you don't know what I'm building. I'm like, I know, but I told you I need to be the first check in. So you need to make sure I'm the first check in. And so I was, and so, you know, if, 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 I can do that. And then I was able to help her strategize and make introductions for the rest of her round. Wow. That's great. And so that is a great example. It sounds like you, you invest in people, uh, that you, you know, that you, you believe in and it sounds like you are a little more hands-on too, right? With personal involvement a little bit afterwards as well. Yeah. I'm, I'm happy to be, I'm happy to be as involved or uninvolved as startups want me to be. Like I, I always am really candid about that. If, if I'm giving you, you know, PR advice because I have more PR experience than a lot of people in Silicon Valley, but you, you know, your best friend is, is the head of the biggest PR firm in New York. Like, tell me that, right? Because I'm happy to step aside. And if you don't need me, that's amazing. Um, but usually, as you know, when you start a company, you need every, every piece of help you can get, no matter how important perfect. And so I'm, I'm happy to do that. And then in terms of people, I would say that I invest in both, right? Sometimes I'll invest in people and, and it's just, I know that, but it has to be somebody that I'm like usually incredibly close to, or just somebody who's just a beyond exceptional founder. And that's, that's a very small part of my investing. Like the easy expunctions guys, I never met them in I still have never met them in person, right? Like, so, so I saw them on stage, but I wasn't about to go to San Antonio. I wasn't going to make them fly to, to San Francisco for a relatively small check. And I was still fundraising. So I was busy. And so, you know, I just, I had conviction, they had revenue. I really care about the space. And so I did it. Great. That makes sense. Uh, and it's, I mean, if you make enough bets, right, you, you're, some of those are going to pay off without having to get to San Antonio. 
Right. That's my goal in life. Never going to say anything. I love you. But yes, yes. Uh, That's funny. Um, I've been to San Antonio. It's not bad. Um, So, okay. So what's, uh, so let's talk about some of your short-term and long-term goals. Like obviously this is um, really great that you you created this fund. I I assume you're not going to stop here. What are you up to? What's, what's on the, the docket? Yeah, I mean, the, the funny thing about starting a fund is I was, I, you know, set everything up, whatever. And I was like, Oh my God, this is so weird. This is highly likely the last job I'll ever have. Right. Meaning that, that like with a startup, um, you know, it, it, even if you, you know, make a billion dollars, you're probably making that billion dollars by selling the company, in which case then you're, you're going to work at, you know, the acquirer or whatever. Um, but with, with funds, you know, you do it and, and you grow it. Right. So it's kind of like when you have a baby, you have a baby and you're not like, okay, I'm going to take care of this baby for two years and then it'll be a toddler. And then I won't have a baby anymore. Like then you'll have a toddler, you know? And so it's, it's something that, is likely to be the last job I'll ever have, which is, is cool um, to think I'm going to spend the next, you know, 20, 30, 40 years doing this. Um, and, and it really just is uh, growing. And, and the, like, the real answer, right, is that you don't know. Like, I think before the call, I was talking about how, um, or earlier in the call, I was talking about how, you know, the day before the iPhone came out, no one was an iPhone investor, right? Because that didn't exist. And so I don't know what I'll be investing in 10 years because if I only want to invest in the same stuff I want to invest in now, I either have to become a, a private equity investor and be doing, you know, it, it, buying and selling mature companies um, because that's what, you know, by that point, Facebook will be almost 30 years old, right? Or um, I have to stay nimble and, and say, I don't know what I'll be investing in, but I'm excited to see it. The future, right? You can be investing in the future. <laughs> no, that's great. A great example and, and uh, analogy. So, all right. So, one more question, and then we'll wrap it. Um, you see a lot of different companies, mostly early stage. Uh, we get this question a lot. What's the right amount of capital for a startup to raise? And you've been on both sides of it, so I want to get your yeah, take. I mean, honestly, I think, again, unless you're doing a hardware company or something that just requires, you know, like a, a biotech company, something that requires just obscene amounts of capital up front, um, I, I think that the real answer is the the right amount of money is the amount you can raise, right? So, um People who say, you know, the first thing I tell people when they come to me and they say, I don't really have, you know, a huge network. How do I raise money? The first thing I say is go apply to an accelerator, right? Because that's usually the easiest hundred thousand dollars you'll ever raise. And I think after that, probably the the next best thing to do is, you know, make a list of, of all the rich people, you know, right? Which you might be listening to this saying, Sarah, you don't understand. I don't know rich people, but you know, we all have a friend who during the summers, you know, had like one uncle who, you know, was kind of uh, had some money, right. Or a friend like for a college roommate who used to go on really fancy vacations. And you finally realize it's because her family had whatever money. And so you make a list of, of everybody, even like a second or third degree connection who, you know, is, is called a millionaire and up. And then you figure out how to get, you know, probably $10,000, even $5,000, $25,000, maybe a hundred thousand dollar checks from those people. And, and that often, you know, is, is your first round of fundraising and it might be a quarter million dollars, but a quarter million dollars when all you're doing is working and you're cutting all your expenses as much as possible, um, you know, actually lasts for, for quite a while, certainly long enough to get an MVP out. Right. So to me, I think a nice side seed round is like 500,000 to a million, a million five, depending on where you're at. Right. Because if you're five, 
500,000 in, in Chicago, like candidly will, will last you longer probably than a million dollars in San Francisco or New York, just because of the cost of living and what you have to pay people and how much you pay for rent. Right. So, so call it a a $500,000 round. If you could put that together, um, you definitely should be, you know, post product, right? So you've actually launched, um, and, and your, uh, if you're an enterprise company or a SaaS company, you have, you know, at very least you're in paid pilots, even if they're only paying you a dollar, like that's enough capital that if you run through that and you say, Oh no, I don't have anything to show for it. Like then that's on you. That being said, if somebody comes to you and says, Hey, I'll give you $10 million up front. That's usually one doesn't really happen, but two isn't usually good unless you're like a repeat founder and you've done this a million times before and you know exactly how to use it. Because when you first start a company, you know, you don't know what you're doing. And so if you have a bunch of money, you'll spend it, you know, not, not irresponsibly, but you'll spend it suboptimally because you don't understand what to spend it on. And I'm right. sure you don't know what you don't know exactly. yet. <laughs> and you see yep. people who have like the hundred thousand dollar design consultant instead of going on, you know, creative market for five bucks, or you see somebody right. who has the ten thousand dollar a month PR company on retainer six months before they even launch, which is literally just pouring sixty thousand dollars down the drain, right? And so, so right. those are the types of things that tend to happen when you raise too much money. Um, but, but you know, candidly for anybody raising too much money is not a very common thing. Even in Silicon Valley, there's maybe in later stages, it certainly is, but you know, seed stages, you know, you and I both have probably not seen more than like 50 seed rounds in our lives that weren't repeat founders were like true pre seed, like first money in where they're raising even more than like 3 million is pretty rare. Right. No, that's a great point. And of course, if you aren't, if you're just getting started and you aren't uh, necessarily you don't know that rich uncle who knows somebody, you can also find customers. So that's the other way, right? So find some customers to pay for things until you get it going and, and then find those. And I think there's never an excuse to have nothing, right? So if you're like, I want to build whatever, the next uh, Warby Parker, but I don't have any money to go make glasses, right. fine. But you know, are you doing customer interviews? Do you have a landing page? Right. It's, easy. it's literally free to make an Instagram account, right? And you don't have to have tens of thousands of followers. But if you, you know, run into me and literally are pitching me in an elevator and I ask you, you know, cool, what's the company's name? What's the URL? I'll check it out, right? If I see like a well-designed landing page um, and I see, you know, uh, a, a well-designed Instagram that like clearly communicates what the brand feels going to be, like that's enough. It's not a space I really invest in, but if I did, that's enough for me to 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 dig in and say, okay, their, their vision's going to be right. And one of the, my most frustrating things is when people say, you know, I'll, I'll run into somebody and they're talking about starting a company. I'm like, great. And then I run into them six months again and there hasn't been any progress because, you know, they don't have any investors and they don't know this. And, they, and I'm like, that none of that stops you from picking a name in your head and then Googling right. it to see if it's being used by other people. None of that stops yeah. you from making an Instagram page if that's applicable, right? None of that stops you from making like a free landing page on Kicks, right? Even if you can only spend 10 minutes a day, if you spend 10 minutes a day at something for six months, you're going to be a lot further along than nothing. Right. No, that's a great point. And a lot of that is the most exciting and fun part, <laughs> the branding aspects and like building that brand and that vision and it starts to really fuel. So great advice, Sarah, thank you so much for joining us. I really appreciate it and sharing your knowledge and everything you're up to learned a lot. Hopefully some startup founders out there learned a lot too. It was a lot of fun. 
Until our next time, thanks for joining us at the Start of the Year podcast. I'm Frank Gruber. Thanks for listening to the Startup of the Year podcast. Be sure to subscribe and we'll be back with another episode soon.